Hi, I'm Sean Healy, and you're listening to Tools. Hi everyone, Sean Healy, NLP trainer and change agent here, and you're listening to episode 83 of Sean Healy Tools, a podcast designed to support entrepreneurial couples, people in business partnership, and anyone looking for more tips, tools, and strategies to add to the quality of your life. So welcome to today's episode. Episode 83 is entitled Looking at Affairs Part 2. Um... Uh, if you're following on from the previous episode, obviously uh, looking at affairs part one, um, what we the one of the central sort of messages we, we uh, about uh, episode one is that uh, in the modern um, relational environment um, we can't afford to think of monogamy. We can't afford to assume monogamy. We can hope for monogamy. We can set an intention um, that we're going to have a monogamous, um, solely partner-focused relationship, um, but the way the modern landscape is shaped, um, to just assume it, to never discuss it, um, th- this is high risk and can leave us very vulnerable. You know, So we're understanding that anybody um, uh, can be tempted at some stage in their life um, and in fact, it's, you know, the longer we're with someone, the more likely that we're going to be faced with a choice at some stage. So we're understanding that, um, you know, it's not necessarily couples that are unhappy that um, have affairs. It's not necessarily couples that have poor sex lives, um, that there are a number of reasons why people step outside their relational uh, their relationship, you know, maybe one of those things is um, that's what mum and dad did. You know, we've got a modelled history of affairs because um, what mum and what we saw from mum and dad was, um, you know, they did what they needed to do under the family roof, and then they went off and had separate lives with other people um, elsewhere. So you know, we've got a history of um, exposure to affairs. Um, you know, maybe we just somebody gives us the illusion that they're an escape from our life for a little while. Um, maybe we're not feeling attractive and we're looking for somebody to validate that. Maybe it is because we're feeling unfulfilled in our sex life and, and we're looking for somebody else to do that. Um, or maybe it's just proximity. We, we, we became attracted to each other because we worked together every day and, we, you know, we had a lot of things in common. You know, there's so many reasons why people can be faced with the choice of stepping outside their relationship. Um, and so much like we talked about in part one, the best we can do is keep honest, um, um, open, respectful communication going. And while we're speaking the truth, we're also being mindful of how we're speaking the truth. You know, we're, we're being gentle um, in, in terms of what we're doing, but certainly secrecy and non-discussion um, and what you don't know won't hurt you, these kinds of things generally come back to bite us in some way, shape or form. And if we're, even if we're not overtly found out, just the way it adjusts our behaviours in our relationship means that at some level, you know, we, we are depriving ourselves and our partner of the true kind of love and intimacy that's possible for us as a couple. Um, 
because we're, you know, we're getting it elsewhere or we're covering up what we're doing elsewhere. So um, I particularly like the work of uh, psychologist Peggy Vaughan um, and her particular book, The Monogamy Myth, I want to um, uh, acknowledge, um, where, you know, one of her uh, ideas is, is that this is a societal issue, not just a couple's issue. You know, it's surrounded by secrecy. It's surrounded by judgment. Um, and it's very difficult, um, it, and it is a reality, like we talked about in episode one. Um, you, you know, whether we like the idea of affairs or we don't, um, the the fact of the matter is they happen, um, and so we might as well work with reality um, r rather than uh, you know just acu uh, accusatory um, approaches or judgmental approaches or just sweep it all under the rug, um, secrecy, denial, these things don't help anyone. Um, and it makes it very, very difficult for people to recover from affairs, regardless of whether they decide um, if things get found out to work on staying together and working through it or going their separate ways. And, and if we can start to recognize it more as something that we need to be more open and non-judgmental of um, as a society, we can start to put in structures into place that help people recover from potentially very devastating experiences rather than trying to work through a veil of secrecy and judgment and criticism um, from other people. It's bad enough what we have to go through, let alone the um, uh, hair trigger responses, the reactive responses that we sometimes get from those around us when we finally decide to talk up about it. And especially if we're experiencing a lot of shame and embarrassment uh, about, you know, whatever side, you know, whether we're the, uh, we're the, um, the person who's had the affair or the person who's um, uh, the, the, um, uh, the victim in this kind of process. Um, so we, we need to be, you know, definitely having these discussions and getting better at how we support people through this process on, on all sides, um, uh, absolutely. Um, but uh, the thing that I sort of wanted to talk about um, a little bit in part two was around um, some of the red flags that might mean um, that our partner is um, uh, stepping outside of the relationship, so to speak. Um, these indicators don't necessarily instantly mean that the person is cheating, but I think when we see... When we're in relationship for a period of time, we come to know our partner both consciously and unconsciously. There's certain mannerisms, there's certain language choices, there's certain expressions, there's certain ways our partner moves, there's certain behaviors our partner does, there's certain activities they engage in. And whether we're aware of it or not, we have a kind of an unconscious and conscious baseline of that, that, you know, that at some level they are very familiar to us. Um, and throughout the course of a relationship and the way our, our society is growing and changing and new technology, um, we inevitably are going to change. And, and the person that we started with is not going to be the person um, that we end up with five or 10 or 15 years down the track or longer. Um, and you're not going to be the same either. Um, uh, you know, things are always changing, new information's appearing, new understandings are developing, new experiences inform our thinking, all of these things uh, add to change. So changes here and there are not necessarily anything to be alarmed about. Um, 
But when we see a significant cluster of things change um, in a very small period of time, that's when um, it might be time to go, okay, something must be happening. And like I said, this doesn't necessarily imply instantly that they're having an affair, but it's it certainly, in my opinion, if a lot of things change in a short period of time about the way our partner behaves, then at very least we have to probably start looking closer to say, well, what's going on? You know, it might be an affair. It might be gambling. It might be they're just fed up with how they show up in the world and want to change, you know. But any significant change, uh, cluster of changes off a baseline definitely warrants paying closer attention. Um, they might be in distress and just not might need some help. It might not even be anything terribly Machiavellian or threatening at all. Um, it might just be that, you know, they're in pain and they can't speak about it yet for whatever reason. Um, so what do we sort of talk about here? Well, I, you know, I'll use the example from way, way, way back when I used to be a personal trainer. Um, and the, the thing about being a personal trainer was um, there were certain things that you would notice, especially when you were training couples, you could almost see affairs coming. Um, you know, what would happen was suddenly um, one one member of the couple, you know, especially if they train if they trained separately at separate times, you know, because one would be home watching the kids while the other would come in to the gym or whatever. But all of a sudden you'd see that one person um, would start bringing into conversation a third party um, who I hadn't heard about. Maybe it was a friend who'd come from overseas and was now in the country or perhaps it was, you know, reconnecting with somebody from the past or perhaps it was somebody at work. But all of a sudden you'd start to find that the conversation would centre around this particular individual and, and you'd almost see the person spark up and kind of this sense of, oh, well, such and such said yes, da 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 da, da. And, and there'd be this kind of lift in their mood when they talked about them. Now, you're not likely to see that um, too often, um, uh, although it is possible in, in your relationship. But, but then, and, and again, talking about someone that you're excited and inspired, and it might be just a dear friend who you really delight in, in having their company. That's, that's not necessarily anything inherently suspicious. But then when we talk about a cluster of things happening, and then all, so that also simultaneously what you see is suddenly the person who wasn't that committed um, as an exerciser suddenly becomes very, very committed. Um, you know, they're, they're really intent on changing their body shape. They start showing up having tans done. Um, they show up to the gym having their hair um, uh, done. All, all of a sudden, there's a, a series of changes to their appearance. If they were carrying weight, all of a sudden, they've dropped quite a lot of weight. Um, you know, um, there's all this, you know, so we're seeing these kinds of po possibly um, cluster of changes in our partner's appearance where the wardrobe changes, um, maybe their weight changes, their focus on health and fitness changes. Um, suddenly we see that they're spending more time uh, inexplicably away than they used to. Um, they might um, sometimes when they're at home, they might be less engaged than they were before in us. Um, you know, that they, they might lose um, interest in sexual um, exchanges with us or they start to show a series or a variety of moves um, that, you know, they're moving a different way in the bedroom. Um, you know, like I said, if, if people want to explore, that's not necessarily a red flag solo. We're talking about, like I said, a cluster of red flags where we're seeing a whole series of things change potentially. Um, you know, maybe they didn't watch so much television before, but now they watch a lot. 
Um, you know, they're spending a lot more time at work than they did before. Um, they're far less interested in what we're kind of doing. They're not offering um, as much conversation as they used to. And if we're seri seeing a cluster of these things change, like I said, this doesn't necessarily mean a fair. It might just mean, okay, something's going on for my partner. Maybe I better start asking some questions and just inquiring to their welfare. So like I said, it's not necessarily Machiavellian, but it can sometimes be when we see this cluster of changes happen, um, maybe I need to be checking in and seeing where things are at. Um, so if there's a series of things that our partner now, and sometimes it's little things that we're not even necessarily consciously aware of, but we might find that our partner suddenly shows, um, you, you know, when we go out publicly, they move with more ease in their body. They move with more confidence. They're far more engaging. Um, they're funnier. They're more comfortable with the opposite sex. They're more tactile. You know, they're touching people and they've got a familiarity with people that they didn't have before. Um, you know, there's a whole series of ways in which we can start to go, hmm, something's changed. I, I wonder if I need to explore um, uh, these kinds of elements and, and how specifically. And if we're starting to have suspicions, then the first thing you need to do is, um, like I said, we, 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 you know, we've got to be so careful not to make up meaning and stories prematurely around behaviour. You know, all we've seen is a series of different behavioural responses. Um, that, you know, the, the meaning I make about that is entirely in my own head. Um, you know, I've got a, so if we're making premature meaning, this can actually really work against us. So be, be very careful here that really all we've seen is my partner now tans all the time. My partner has a manicure and a pedicure rigorously now. Um, they've dropped 20 kilos. They spend a lot more time, um, at, at work or out with friends. Um, they've suddenly decided that they're very interested in, in dancing. Um, you know, they're now engaged in this particular, you know, like I said, we're looking at a cluster of differences in, in the way a person, you know, the activities and the behaviors that we're seeing in our partner. Um, and, and then we have to ask ourselves a question is, are we prepared, um, to know? Because sometimes people can sit for years with a nagging suspicion um, and not actually be ready um, to, to truly confront the truth. And that's okay. You know, please don't be forced or rushed. If you are seeking support of friends and going, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable, please don't be forced. Um, uh, you know, if, if our friends have got kind of a loaded, a reactive idea about affairs, then they can prematurely force us into finding things out that we just aren't ready to cope with yet. Um, so please, um, by all means, if you need to get support, make sure you get appropriate support um, and don't buy into other people's agendas, beliefs and judgments because it's your life, not theirs. And I understand people are well-intentioned, but if we've got our own wounds around these things, then I'm not very much help to you, I'm afraid, because I'm just going to be speaking out of my wounds. Um, so, you know, deciding what you might need to be ready to know. Um, and so you're taking every precaution there because people who report having, you know, been suspicious for years um, still find that it's an absolutely devastating experience when their suspicions are proved to be true. Um, so we have to be make sure that we're really ready for the consequences before we start looking at how we're going to address these things. Um, and we certainly, the, you know, um, if we're starting to snoop around, the things that don't work, um, 
is hinting, threat, threatening. If I ever find out that you've been cheating on me, well, that's it. You know, um, threats really don't work. Um, they really don't work. Um, so we, we need to avoid that. Those kinds of reactive or you know um, uh, any any kind of threatening, reactive, punishing style language is far more likely to push our partner underground. It's far more likely to make them even you know, uh, work even to, to be even more effective at covering up their steps. So we're, we're, we're doing everything we can not to prejudge and pre-punish before the evidence is there. Um, and then when we are ready, we're making sure that we create the time and space where we can have a conversation and we're asking directly, but in a really calm kind of way, um, you know, I've noticed these things, this is how I'm feeling. So I want to ask you very directly something um, uh, because um, I feel that if we're able to talk about this honestly and even if it's my, my worst fears come true, if I know that something is going on, then at least we have a chance of working through it. Um, but if I find out later that, um, you know, what I suspected and was denied then I, I'm really worried that we won't be able to find our way through this, you know, together. Um, so I just want to know, um, are you having an affair? Um, and it's very, very confronting, I understand, to, but that's our best chance is that we go at it openly, honestly and directly um, and as calmly as we can possibly manage because this gives our partner the optimal opportunity to um, step up and speak their side. Um, and uh, again, this gives us a place to work through really challenging things with as much clarity as we possibly can. Um, and, uh, you know, let, let the, then from there, like I said, we have to be surrendered to every possible consequence. We have to be ready um, to see out the consequences of our choices and of, uh, and of opening that can of worms, you, you know, and, and it's again, if we've got a prejudged idea, this sometimes can work against us. I used to be, um, you know, adamant that, um, you know, if I ever found out that somebody would cheated on me, then well, that'd be it instantly. Um, and uh, there's just too many variables. There's too many possibilities and too many things to consider to be that fixed. Um, now, I'm, you, you know, you may still make a choice like that. I'm not, you know, our beliefs are our beliefs and I'm, I'm not there to challenge those. But when our belief is not considered, but rather reactive, then we're most likely to be the one that suffers from that, not not our not our partner. So it's it's just creating the space where we can just really be open to working through everything on its merits in the moment um, at the time, if we are unfortunate enough to face the reality of an affair um, uh, that you know that we've needed to call out, um, uh, then. Uh, you know, we're giving our, ourselves the best chance to work through a very, very difficult situation with the best possible result um, for ourselves. So there's a lot more to talk about here, um, and there'll be a part three. Um, so sorry to leave you dangling if you're kind of going, well, what do we do then after we talk about, you know, after we drop the, you know, after we ask for, you know, from a clear and concise kind of platform, um, what's next? But we'll talk about that in uh, episode, uh, you know, looking at affairs, part three. 
But I hope this episode has given, again, some more insight. Um, if it's not yourself, we've all known friends or family members who've gone through this and perhaps you can help to be the boy, voice of reason and, and, and effective support in a very painful time for somebody else. So if it's not for yourself directly, you might be able to use this material to help be an even more effective support for others as they go through their journey with um, this, um, for some of us, undeniable aspect of life. So thank you again. Um, as always, for those of you who've been listening along with the show right the way through, um, my profoundest gratitude. If you've just joined us, welcome. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, the way you can support the program is go to uh, iTunes, download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review because it makes it easier for people to find um, the program that way. And I'm very passionate about spreading uh, this kind of material to, you know, uh, boost the effectiveness of human relationships. Um, also, uh, you're welcome to uh, check out the website, emergencetraining.com.au. Um, I do one-to-one -one work both in uh, personal and business-based contexts around people dynamics. And then, of course, I run uh, in-house and public trainings around the same sorts of material. So uh, once again, thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the episode. Um, and until next time, bye for now.